0: Awesome, man, sure, friend of the show, Brian Chapork with me here from Forbes NBA Pod. Does lots of report, man? He's a six Sixer fan. He knows I'm a Hawks guy as well. We both have some fun talking about our teams, man. It's hilarious, man. Brian, how's life, man? I was like that, that, that collapse, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, not
2: so great as it turns out. Set up for a very interesting summer for me. But uh thank you for
0: having me on as always. Excited to join you and talk some hoops. Now, boy, I'll be with you, man. I think Doc Rivers doing what he did to get him and Missoula fired. I think the Missoula <laughs> still is not saying himself. I think that that one game, like, I-, I would say live ball turnovers, they made some threes, and, you know, it all came together for one night in Miami. Yeah. But the Celtics have shown them time and time again that even against Atlanta Hawks, should not not Went six games. No, if we're being honest, game three was one. What was possession game in game three, and they played like crap. Then game five, Trey Young goes off because you want to experiment and put in Blake Griffin fourth <laughs> quarter in the, fourth, 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 uh, in the game. And game six was like, hey, okay, we're doing these these, these clowns. Let's beat them. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how like so the the Sixers should have like, been swept. Like, yeah. Like,
2: I mean they were two James Harden three pointers away from getting swept, but instead, you know, they they go push them to seven and like who knows how much you know you don't know if like the accumulation of playoff minutes or playoff miles affects a team down the road. But you know, if they if the Celtics beat the Hawks in five, sweep the Sixers or beat them in five, I wonder if this Miami series plays out any differently than it has.
0: I do one of that too, man, but I don't say someone else about the watch the book, it's personal. They don't move around, man. It's, like, it's really right. like a, a spot. You run to a spot, okay, you get the ball here. We may do a pin down here, maybe a, a rim roll here, but there's no movement. And defensively, it's like – like against the, the Hawks, Mario. Game two, game two, one one two. you play one through five switching. And in game three, you want to start playing drop coverage. And Stephen Gunning mentioned it on, on, on the broadcast that you can't anticipate their adjustments. Mm-hmm. And change your strategy. He started playing drop coverage against Trey Young. What's Trey Young feast on? Drop coverage. So I was like, bro, like, what are you freaking doing? And I do feel like losing over his head. He was behind the bench last year, he's the head coach. And losing Dave Stoudemire hurt them as well because he was a veteran voice. He could talk to the players and he could help guide Mazuma a little bit. Right at his bench, is very experienced and it's showing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Will Hardy as well was on the bench last year yes. now with Utah and obviously did a great job with them. So I think it was Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports reported that, you know, they're investigating some more veteran voices for his coaching staff if they do decide to retain him moving forward, like bringing in a lead assistant with some head coaching experience to give him a little bit extra, you know, help, I guess is the best word for it. Cause yeah, I mean, like he was put in such an impossible position of, taking over a team that just went to the finals, you know, they take him over a month before the regular season starts, like catches really everyone off guard. It sounds like including members of the Celtics. I know Woj reported, I think yesterday that, you know, some members of the team just like have never gotten over the Inva Doka thing. They thought it was a
0: total overreaction. That's true. From the Celtics office. On that roster. That's true. Yeah. There. As, you, as you know, that's
1: former Hawks on that roster. So, I can confirm that report. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, he already facing an uphill battle, first time head coach. Like, you know, I know Marcus Smart at one
2: point during the playoffs is like, yeah, our offense, like, doesn't, we're just kind of like free flowing. We make it up as we go. You know, we don't have a ton of set plays, which, you know, the Celtics, like, they can out talent a lot of teams, but, you know, the, the Hawks and the Sixers are not disciplined the same way, both on and off the court that Miami is. And, you know, you're seeing, Like, this could have been the biggest mismatch of the playoffs, Spo versus
1: Missoula, and we're seeing it play out right now. 100% boy. And I'm I'm looking at it like, hey, you know, I think Miami probably wins it in
0: six games. Mm -hmm. I don't see them winning in Boston on Thursday night because they're probably going to see certain referees to ensure that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, (laughs) right. So... I think he's going to end up being a game in Miami, then what should be there in Game Seven because if you get the Game Seven to Boston, forget it. They they have to get some ratings back. So they... <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I, I, you, I, you're going to be I, tight as well. So like yeah, I don't think so. But it has to be finish off Saturday in Miami. Yeah, it has to be that way, or you're going to lose Game Seven in Boston. Yeah, if yeah, if you lose three
2: straight, by Boston's going to have all the confidence, all the momentum. You're totally right. Shooters are going to be tight, and like you know. But, positive outlier shooting performance has driven a lot of this run from the heat. And you can argue, well, they shot really well last year and then they like regressed to the being, you know, almost too much during the regular season this year. Like all their shooters were at like high thirties, low forties last year were far lower than that throughout the regular season. And then all of a sudden, Oh, they, they caught their form, like just in time. So, you know, if they tighten up a little bit, the shooting regresses again, Lord knows Boston can get really hot from three. And like, that's when, you know, you saw that game two against the Sixers, even the second half of game seven, like when they get going, it can avalanche quickly. So, you know, I I still think Miami ends up winning the series, but this is definitely, it's weird. You know, a team wins three straight, loses one. Like you would normally be like, Oh, whatever. It's going to be a gentleman's sweep. But this one does feel like Miami has got
1: to be a little bit nervous. And gave Bill and injury down as well. Right, right. Yeah, he's been big for them.
0: So I, who should get paid this year? Somebody by down Miami, because their tax situation is horrible. So yep. uh, and uh look also looking at it too, right? Is this man? Like, I'm like, hey man, like I don't like him as a player. I don't like he, what he did for CBA. And his his like Brett Williams to me is a bum. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you know, it's like dude, you talk to referees too much to be barely, barely in the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> but with, Joe Bazzullo should have been playing you and you've made a difference to a degree. Yeah. So like, But I do feel like he, he made a mistake. He should have took that three years, 45
1: million in October. It then, then ain't coming back, Jack. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Yeah, especially after five out of the rotation for most of the playoffs. But I totally agree with you. I mean,
2: you could just tell, like, he's one of the only guys on that team that just does not have a quit in him and like won't back down and it possibly to his own detriment, as we saw in game two, when he starts talking to Jimmy Butler, gets Jimmy Butler fired up. Uh, But you know, that's the attitude they needed, especially down 3-0 in that game on Tuesday, like they needed someone who was going to give them that energy, that confidence of like, Hey, you know, this thing really isn't over yet. Like we can't back down. We can't just roll over. Cause that's what they did in game three. I mean, they, you know, it, it looked like they just let go of the rope and just had no mental toughness to try to recover. Uh, but, you know, kudos to the Celtics. Like, that was a really impressive performance in Game 4.
0: This has been brought the CBA, man. I'm trying to tell these Hawk fans here that next year, will last year this team is the way it is because of new yeah. new CBA. You know, the number is 174. This year, well, 179 is is the, the April number. Next year, it's 192. Okay, you do that, I got to tell you off the air, to, just, get, to give Quinn Snyder his one year to you know with the team, I would trade Bob Donovan to somebody's cap space for well, a second-round pick to, to duck the tax because we're not paying any taxes around here.
1: Just guarantee
0: <laughs> Matthews, Krejci, Fernando, Martin, draft the first-round pick at 15, Uh, sign that a, got to be a third-point guard, and put the second-round pick in, in College Park. Mm. That gets you roughly a million in a room of, of, of tax on and run it back and see what happens. But next summer, Brian, 24-25, Trey Young's numbers are awful. It's, just, it's like $46, 49 million. you know. Mm. Then you guys extend Sadiq Bay, Okongwu, Okay, doing that, John T. Murray's not he John T murray's wants something like th- 35 million. I'm thinking mm-hmm. four years 140 for him, you know. So that so do you let him walk after what you gave him, you know. So I I don't know, Brian. I may would not sign Sadiq Bey and Ocongo to extension in October. I would mm-hmm. want them, you use their low cap holes and come back in t- in summer 24 after I determine what Murray's gonna do and then maybe extend them. I mean, it may cost me more money, but I don't, I don't want to get tied up before December twenty four. And if you do, if you go to the other way, which is just secure extensions, you're going to have to make some moves. It's going to be a Hunter. It's going to be a Capella, College. So keep on the 2nd April number. So mm-hmm. that's what the new CBA kind of hurts you because it's really a hard cap they agreed to, which... Don't know why they agree. I know why they agreed to because McCollum wanted to, to get back at Golden State. I know well that was, that was part of the reason why he agreed with the owners. we gotta get Golden State in the Clippers and Brooklyn, Brooklyn and line. I know mm-hmm. why it happened. Because player reps told me as much, right? So, but it's like for Atlanta, a recording's coming, <laughs> you know, because yeah. of the salaries numbers we have. And I'm thinking Jonte Murray's gonna have to walk. If you want to stay in Bay and O'Connor get the trade away Hunter, somebody Hunter, Collins, fellow to get
1: stay on the deep second, second it looks bad bro this new CBA. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's going to make the big three model almost extinct
2: uh, there are going to be very few examples where that might not be the case. I think Memphis could be an exception to that I think OKC in a year or two could be an exception to that like teams that have made these blockbuster trades and have a bunch of first round picks in the future. They think first round picks are only going to increase in value since you know they're cost-controlled rookie contracts for four years. And if you hit on a guy, you know, it's often like the best value in the NBA. If you've got a guy playing at a max or a near max level on far less than a max contract, uh the Hawks, like it's it's almost to their detriment that they've drafted so well in recent years or just done such a good job amassing talent because yeah, at this point you're going to have to start picking and choosing guys and you're not going to be able to go too deep at every position, paying guys 15, 20, 25 million you know, down the line, like John Collins, you know, I know he's been a trade rumor mill for a couple of years now, like basically since he signed that extension, uh, you know, I think you're going to have to pick between him, a con Capella and Hunter, possibly only two of the four. And the other two, you're going to have to move off of. You mentioned Bogdanovich you, you might have to pick between him and Sadiq Bay. And then like the big picture question, which I know Hawks fans are very mad at me every time I even bring it up. Like, do you eventually have to pick between Trey Young and DeJounte Murray? Does it make sense? You no, know, if Murray gets the contract that you mentioned, or even more than that, does it make sense to be paying, you know, upward of $80 million a year just for your backcourt when you have to round out the rest of your roster and you really don't want to grow, go over this new second apron level. So you know, the Hawks aren't going to be the only team dealing with this. And I'm like personally fascinated to see how it plays out, not just for them, but for the rest of the NBA over the next year or two. Because I think we're going to see a lot of teams trade players like just for financial reasons. Like They're going to make bad trades, just to shed salary, and I'm really
1: excited to see how they try to sell that to fans. Yeah, and I, I was like, if "You put a hard cap. Let's have a hard cap. You know, let's just yeah, let's, let's not play this game. it's
0: pretty much a hard cap. You know, and like I don't. And I'm gonna tell you, the vote was two twenty seven, two twenty three. Mm. That's what the vote was. So you could see, so you know, it was the players aren't all in on this mm. idea. It was two twenty seven, two twenty three, but you had. It reminds me when Derek Fisher was the NBA PA of the uh player player league. Man, like when dudes aren't the man, they take bad deals. Mm-hmm. People say that CP three those guys who thought for themselves, but it, it helped everybody else too. And I get the new do non tax level levels. So I get all that stuff for it. I, I the Roman
1: said I get all that, but you restrict teams from spending. Yeah, you only hurt yourself, right? I mean, that's the that's what I think. Keep coming back to it's like,
2: yeah, they you know, okay. Non-tax MLE went up, room MLE went up, but you know, the big change was um, you can have more than two guys on designated max extensions, whether rookie or veteran. Now, which sounds great in theory, like Cleveland, where you've got Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell on these max extensions. You might want to sign Evan Mobley to one of those deals next summer. Cool, it sounds great in theory. But if you've got the second apron, which, as we're saying, is, like, effectively a hard cap, are you going to want three guys on max deals? I think the answer is no. So, like, in practice, are we ever going to see teams with three guys on these designated max extensions? Like, they're allowed to. But just because they're allowed to doesn't mean they're actually going to do it.
1: I
0: think the NBA was smart and offering an idiot like CJ McCollum. <laughs> oh, stuff <laughs> sounded good. He, oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> But in theory, does nothing for the players. Yeah, And it took like, like, really? We doing this? Like, do you realize what you're doing? Because you're mad because you got beat by the Warriors. <laughs> you and Grant
1: Williams are mad? That's what I was told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, it's like, the Warriors were just such an outlier. Because really,
2: it all starts with them getting Kevin Durant because they don't agree to cap smoothing in 2016. Had they agreed to it, which they did in this CBA, Warriors never have enough room to sign Kevin Durant. They don't go on the run from 2017 to 2019. You know, they sign and trade KD for D'Angelo Russell. They flip Russell for Wiggins and a first-round pick in the future. You know, they have the gap year. They get Wiseman. But, like, all of that started with this one-time fluke that was not going to happen again. So, you know, you can point to the Clippers and, like, Steve Ballmer is willing to exploit the rules, you know, like, trade out. Or receive more salary in a trade that he's than they sending out, which was what they did with the uh, Norm Powell and Robert Covington deal in particular. But then, like, also, how is this working out for the Clippers? They have one conference finals appearance, still no finals appearance. Like paying nine figure tax bills every year. The Warriors are out here with you know a hundred. Out like we're not we're we're not willing to go that high anymore. Like we don't know how long we can sustain this. So it feels like the system was was fine the way it was or like needed much more minor tweaks than what they ended up doing but you know now I really do wonder you know every team is going to be playing on the same field so like I, you know I don't know I think it's going to have a trickle down effect for everyone except yes. for like the absolute no-brainer you know Giannis, Jokic, Luka like those guys are still going to get max deals but like I'm not giving James Harden a max deal this summer. I'm not giving Kyrie Irving a max deal this summer. I'm not giving Jalen Brown
1: the super max if I'm Boston
0: or Tatum. I wouldn't do him. I'm not doing five years for
1: eighteen or five years to ninety-five.
0: Yeah, it's like wild to
2: say because like that Brown and Tatum are exactly like Boston has nailed it in terms of team building. Like those are the absolutely the two guys. No, you should want to keep those guys for the next 10 years. But now you've set up this system where you keep them and it's going to be really hard to build a championship caliber supporting cast around them. Once guys like Al Horford age out, or once guys like Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek white, once their contracts come up, it's to either re-sign them or lose them and you don't really have the ability to replace them. Like a, a lot of teams are going to have to make some really tough choices in the coming years.
0: Yep, and you squeeze the players. as we said, we're saying ultimately McCollum and when you squeeze the players, your colleagues. That's why the vote Brian was what he was, mm-hmm. 27 to two twenty three. It's what he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure a lot of the players like
2: know that you know when in 2016 when all of them just suddenly had 20 million dollars in cap space, they're like, okay, I guess we're gonna spend it. That's fine, but if there are restrictions in place, you know, we've seen it. Like teams are often like. Flirting like right up against the tax line, but they're not going to go over it and I know we haven't seen the full details yet, but like based on the reports it's not as punishing. To go over the tax line, like the first two thresholds of the tax line, the new CBA, but like are you still costing yourself a you know an eight figure check if you do that, because if you are. I guarantee there are some owners out there that are going to be like absolutely not. That is the the hard limit. We are not going over this line. Keep us under. Let's let's get the that Atlanta out. Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks yeah.
0: want that <laughs> August check. Trust to and believe. Tony <laughs> Russell wants his check.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be very it's tough. Was well, pretty
0: much a hard cap anyway, Brian? In my opinion, because at yeah. the deadline, what do what do teams do? Deadline. Duck the tax. Yeah. This is obviously an attack on Brooklyn. Joe Sa, Ballmer, and Joe
1: Laker. Yep. This is the CBA was about attacking them. (laughs) Yeah, but it's going to, you know, there are going to be a bunch of other teams that have to face this same reckoning
2: in the coming years. Like, you know, Philly, if, uh, if they go over the tax this year, this coming year, they'll be in repeater tax territory next year. It sounds like repeater tax is even more punishing in the new CBA than it was in the old one. So I mean, they've definitely designed the system where to to heavily, heavily incentivize teams not to cross that
0: second apron. No doubt, and I, and I do believe, Brian, that hey, uh, like hey, it's going to be a lot of those like teams like Memphis, OKC, Utah, Houston, all these draft picks mm-hmm. by, by going with this garbage,
1: you've hurt yourselves ultimately in the long run. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I mean, it's we, we saw it Michael Jordan who's won, won this as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, like we've seen it with the
2: Hawks where they've done, you know, they did a really good job of drafting a bunch of talented young guys. But at a certain point, you have to start picking and choosing between them. And like there's a clock where, you know, you end up trading Cam Reddish for not all that much, even though it would knock
0: some the first round pick.
2: Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, like how there are going to be a lot more of those types of decisions. For the Hawks or even, you know, for Memphis in the coming years, OKC, like in theory, OKC is almost set up too perfectly to fail. They have like, I, I don't know the exact number of picks in you know, the next five drafts, but I think it's more than 10 first round picks in the next five drafts. Like they, it, 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 that should be an incredible foundation. But again, at a certain point, you're not going to have the roster spots, to, you know, open roster spots to fit all these guys. You're going to have to start. Choosing okay, who who are the long term building blocks here? You know, you're. I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation trades, but even that gets more complicated because teams over the new CBA can't aggregate salaries. Like, I think it would not shock me, especially you know this thing goes into effect July first. I would not be surprised if we have a much more active trade activity at the draft. What, you know, teams trying to get all their books in order before this thing comes into effect, knowing, like, come July 1st, you know, the Clippers and the Warriors are going to be a lot more limited in what the types of trades they're able to make than they are beforehand.
0: 100%. I'm just taking an active draft night, myself, Brother Brian. I see it coming. I see it coming. And I feel like it's also happening, too. Guys do small cap holes. They will get signed to this contract like baby. 20 million and not worth, worth it, but just have a, for those teams over that apron as, as a chip to say, I can mm-hmm. take 20 million and match to get me a 20 million player. No, he's not worth it, but give him that number to that give so I can kind of subvert the system by aggregating
1: in that way by having that such a big number.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. I think expiring contracts are going to be more valuable than
2: usual right now. I mean, I think teams have gotten better in general about handing out, like, you know, we haven't seen that the 2016-esque overpays of, like, Mozgov and Luol Deng and Joakim Noah. So I can't think of a ton of guys who have, like, four years left on their deal that teams are trying to get off of. But even, I mean, even an extra year, like, dumping, you know, a guy with a, a big salary with two years left on his deal, you know, like, as a Sixers guy, I'm trying to start thinking of Tobias Harris trades, like... Yes. So they've shopped Tobias Harris around for years, but all of a sudden Tobias Harris is on a $39 million expiring contract when teams are trying to dump long-term money. Like the Sixers might be in the catbird seat here.
0: No doubt. It, 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 Brian, I, I, I've seen your polls, man, about James Harden. I, I'm thinking I, I wouldn't do it, but you do him three years, 120? Or I, I wouldn't do four. Yeah. I would do maybe three years, one twenty. I might be guaranteed a uh, half of year three if you play certain games in year one. Guarantee year, to fully guarantee year three if you play some of the games in year two. I would tear it that way, but I don't want to get stuck with him on a fully guaranteed 40 million dollar year contract. But I would maybe Carlos would even do three
1: years, one one twenty. How about you? Yeah, I'm actually writing about it uh, right now for Liberty Ballers. Um because I think the thing they need to keep
2: in mind is, you know, the apron, the second apron next year, if they re-sign him, they're all but certainly going over that. So, you know, because they'll re-sign him to whatever, like if they sign him to a max deal, they're already over the tax line. You've got, you know, Paul Reed, George Niang, Jalen McDaniels, Shake Milton to re-sign as well. Won't have the taxpayer MLE, don't have a first or second round pick in this year's draft. So like, are you that sure that, just changing the coach and running back the exact same team that got knocked out in the second round this year gets you that much closer to a championship. I i don't know the answer to that question. Uh, if he walks, though, it's not like they have cap space. If he walks, they still are going to operate as an over-the-cap team. They're only going to have, you know, 12.2 million for the non-taxpayer and mid-level exception. So that could end up being a gap year, effectively, where, you know, I think the Sixers like. At worst, even if Harden walks, they you know, it's like a Melton, Maxi, PJ Tucker, Tobias Harris, Embiid, and then whoever they resign off the bench, whoever they get at the mid-level. Like, you know, that could be a 40, 45-win team. They could be maybe a top six seed. At worst, they're in the play-in mix, assuming Embiid doesn't get hurt long term. Um, you know, they could, depending on how they line the books up, could potentially have max space in 24, but it's it's not super easy to do so. Like they have to very likely hold off on a extension for Tyrese Maxey, let him become a restricted free agent. Like you gotta, you gotta make sure you got all your stakeholders on board for that before you go that route. So it, you know, that is the, the nine figure question right now is like, what should the Sixers be willing to offer Harden? What is any other team offering Harden? Like if Houston's willing to offer four-year max. I think you say, go with God and let him go. But if if you do that, there's no easy way to replace him. It's not, you know, the best case scenario in that is you, maybe you get a trade exception for Houston, but at the same time, I don't know why Houston says, yes, they've got the cap space to sign him out. Right. And, you know, I, I would imagine there's some bad blood still between Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner and Daryl Morey, the Sixers president over his departure from Houston a couple of years ago. So I think, I wouldn't shock me if Fertita is more than happy to
1: you know not help Maury get out of this jam that he created for himself. And Jalen Harden sells some tickets. So yeah. He'll yeah. He make, I mean, he make the money back by him being there. Yeah. And like Josh Harris, the Sixers owner, just bought the
2: Washington Commander, spent six billion dollars on that. So, you know, I like I have explored the idea of, you know, do you at least entertain. Trade offers for Joel Embiid if James Harden leaves. I you no, know, I don't think realistically they do until 24 at the earliest. But part of that is because I don't think Josh Harris wants to rebuild. I think he wants to just you know milk the teat from the Sixers to help pay
1: for this six billion dollar albatross that he might have just bought in Washington. One hundred percent. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm got, that Harden Dominoes
0: will be the key Domino for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Whatever he does, does or doesn't do will dictate what goes on. And you know, to Boz Harris, yeah, I wonder if Maury has somewhere to dump him already. Yeah, or in a three-team trade, I could see Portland drawing in the cap space and not going Jeremy Grant. I can see I can see some of like that happening, or maybe Utah or an OKC maybe would, you know, rent their rent their space. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, or San Antonio maybe yeah i mean it's tricky with tobias
2: because like the sixers can't trade a first round pick till 29 at their earliest so if harden walks you know i don't think they should be using any assets to get off of him because he expires after next year you would have cap space in 24 if harden re-signs then i think it's worth exploring more you know just if only to break him up into a couple smaller contracts
0: yeah that's what i am thinking about with the hawks too in 24 25 whoever you trade just make them two players. Yeah. Using DeAndre Hunter's number, Capella or JC. <laughs> just,
1: yeah.
0: Just yeah. make them two players to fill out the roster because if you're going to go do what you're going to do, is like, you know, is that a pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be the, the new
2: model is just you're having, instead of having a bunch of guys 10, 15, 20, 25
1: million, you're going to have a lot of guys in the like 5 to $10 million range. 100%. And then, Looking at the Eastern Conference is like, hey, this this is gonna
0: determine where we're gonna be in the Eastern Conference. The Harden deal, Milwaukee with Middleton. And if I'm
1: Chris Middleton, I I just opt in. Yeah, yeah. 40 million. You deal with this. Yeah, it's hard to see a team like I you know, he'll get more money overall if he opts out and signs a new deal. But I don't think any team is paying him 40 million next year. Yeah, I would just opt in that, make them deal with that, then
0: rebuild my brand back
1: mm-hmm. and
0: do that, and you know, that's not an interesting guy. You know, that's probably why the Sixers hire higher, gonna be interested in Milwaukee because looking at, at their books, both teams have a
1: reckoning coming. So, whoever yeah. you hire has to come in knowing, hey, this could be bad, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Milwaukee, at least I don't think Giannis is going anywhere, but
2: it, it, you do have to wonder, like. Middleton and Lopez are both free agents, both on the wrong side of thirty. Drew Holiday has already said he's, you know, wants to play out his contract and then retire, which is raises some really interesting long term questions. Like Milwaukee does not have a ton of youth behind Giannis, so like when do you pivot into like do you consider trading Drew Holiday this summer? Do you consider signing trading one of Lopez and Middleton to like, you know, you're gonna take a step back, but at least you're gonna get younger around Giannis. You're gonna be planning for.
0: Like, what's the next era with Giannis? No doubt, man. I just think it's going to be a fun summer, Brian, of seeing how teams uh use the draft night. and Because we haven't heard too many rumors yet, but I, I do think that the movement would get going around the draft about trying to get off money, mm-hmm. move money around, and, you know, hey, if you, have, if you have a small cap hold or a small guarantee, we may as going to guarantee you that use you to aggregate you one more time. Right, <laughs> right. To get to make the money work because I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how these moves are made, especially if they match 100 for 100. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think that one doesn't start until 24 25, but that's, uh I think they go down to teams over the second apron can only send or only take back 110% of what they're sending out starting this summer. The MLE thing is this summer. And I think the, uh, the buyout restriction where you can't sign a guy who was bought out if his if his original salary was more than the non-taxpayer MLE, which, no, I don't think that's often the case. Like a lot of these guys who get bought out are on slightly smaller contracts. I you know when I first heard the news, I was like,
1: "Thank God the Sixers can't sign any more like thirty five year old washed big men." But Dwayne doing no, no more son of My God, Dwayne did. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, Paul Millsap. Like we we've gone through the ringer in the last couple of years, but uh, I don't think it affects any of those guys. Now, now who are you hearing for as the coaching? I heard Mike D'Antoni's
0: name come up. Is that yeah. just a, a, is that to appease James Harden? I'm, I'm assuming,
1: but but what are you hearing about the coaching right, search right now with the Sixers?
2: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like deantoni has been certainly in the
1: rumor mill. I think a lot of it that, you know, the concern
2: is are you doing it to appease Harden because, you know, there've been some rumblings that he wasn't happy with doc wanted to, you know, Chris Haynes said he wanted like more basketball freedom, whatever that means. Uh, And, you know, does he want like more of the offensive to flow through him instead of Joel Embiid, you know, you know, that D'Antoni uh and Harden had a good history together. DeAntoni did work with Embiid for a season. He wasn't assistant coach for the Sixers. So there is some familiarity there. Uh Mike Budenholzer is another name floating around. Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, um, Monty Williams, and then Sam Cassell, who's on their assistant coaching staff now. So I they're saying they're going to be pretty deliberate. They're not make rushing into any choices. Um, you know, I know Nick Nurse is a candidate in Milwaukee, one of the finalists in Milwaukee and Phoenix as well. So, you know, the Sixers have to balance. Like, if they really want Nick Nurse, you're going to have to act pretty quickly. But if they're okay letting him go, I think they'll probably be a little more deliberate uh, because it doesn't sound like Bud Vogel have popped up as, like, finalists for any of these other
0: really appealing jobs. And Nick Nurse, man, look, get ready. Your your knees will be dead. He's like the
1: the new Tom Thibodeau. (laughs) I know. I know. I was like, can Embiid just sit out to the playoffs if they hire him? Cause man, he does not use his bench at all, man. Like, yeah, oui. your knees will be dead. Like
0: that's <laughs> Nick's problem might be, like, like, dude, you run them to the ground, they can't perform in the
1: playoffs. I know. I know, and the Sixers bench, if Harden comes back, could be a lot thinner than it was this year. Yeah, man. We, but we'll see, man. We're Brian. This
0: time was always buddies. So always good to talk ball with you, man. We'll do it again real soon, and man, and we'll see how both
1: our teams fare in this new world, man. That sounds good. I'm excited to catch up later this offseason. We'll uh we'll see we'll sort through the wreckage together. Yes,
0: all right, buddy. I'll see you soon, man. Be safe, man. <laughs> all right, take care. All right.
1: Thank
0: you for listening to Believe.